Your voices were heard in Missouri last week. Hi, this is Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of May 20th, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. Voters will have the opportunity to finish the job in Missouri after the state legislature last week approved a referendum on a bipartisan basis that would add eight-year term limits to all the statewide officers not currently covered by the state's eight-year term limits law. The statewide vote on eight-year term limits is a victory for the citizens and also for the measure's chief sponsor, State Senator Tony Lukemeyer of Northwest Missouri. Over the weekend, Nick Tombalides and I attended a national convention of the Republican Liberty Caucus, a libertarian-leaning organization of GOP partisans. I spoke to the group at their Saturday luncheon, reminding delegates of the RLC's historical advocacy of term limits. Most notably, some of the organization's early members, including founder Eric Ripperg, traveled across the country collecting signatures to put congressional and state legislative term limits on state ballots in the 1990s. In 2005, the RLC led the successful rebellion in Florida, where the Republican-led legislature had placed a referendum on the ballot to weaken Florida's eight-year term limits law. The legislature caved under the public outcry. They held a second vote to remove the referendum from the ballot. This is the first and only time the legislature has ever done this. To RLCers, the episode demonstrated the power of an active and principled caucus within a major party. I suggested to the delegates that the episode also demonstrated the political power of the tournament's issue. That's a valuable lesson for all political parties. Throughout the weekend, we had an opportunity to talk to many RLC members and even got a few on the record. We're here at the Republican Liberty Caucus National Convention with Lee Evanier, who is the South Central Regional Director of the Republican Liberty Caucus. He is a citizen activist who is here to fight for the issues he believes in. Lee, thank you for being a part of our podcast. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. just want to talk to you because you're from Louisiana. This is a very unique state in the sense of... Louisiana is the only state of the 15 that have term limits on their legislature um, that passed it by legislative referral, Mm -hmm. meaning the politicians actually put it on the ballot. I believe it was back in 1995, um, then passed it into law. You have 12-year term limits on the state house and the state senate. How do you think term limits have worked out in Louisiana? It's a mixed bag. Uh, I still think that 12 years is still too long, and there's still a crossover between both sides of, the, uh, of whether you're going into the Senate and then going back into the House, and then there's all these different things. Uh, but I really don't think the uh, term limits has gone far enough in Louisiana. Uh, I would even go into my own party and say that. We have the longest-serving uh, state chair in the entire Republican Party. I think he's served for more than 40 years. So you would favor term limits for party positions as well as legislators? Yes, so you think Louisiana's term limits are too long and they have loopholes which allow politicians to jump back and forth between the chambers? That's correct. You know, of course, the reason why Louisiana chose 12 years, it was not something that the people decided because in every other state that imposed term limits on their legislature, it was done by the people via initiative. Mm-hmm. Louisiana was a legislative referral, so the politicians chose that 12 number, which, mm-hmm. which is why it's the outlier. Mm-hmm. We call yeah. those politician-friendly term limits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, it's interesting about what you say about the chair because it, it basically would, the reasons why you would advocate such a thing is the exact same reasons why you would for politicians. You have, yeah. you know, there's no room for new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that person has a mass power over time and they have constituencies within the party. And so it creates a situation where the party can't progress 
and no one else has a, uh, an opportunity to, to um, take that position either. So mm-hmm. interesting. Now, Lee, you identify as a constitutionalist. I've heard you talk about that. Obviously, term limits have to be done with a constitutional amendment mm-hmm. through Article 5, which means you can get a two-thirds vote from Congress. Mm-hmm. not exactly holding my breath on that one. Or you can get the states to do an end run around Congress and propose it on their own with the convention. What do you think of this idea of having states bypassing federal government and enacting congressional term limits with a convention? Well, uh, aside from being a part of the RLC, I'm actually a member of the 10th Amendment uh, Center. Uh, So uh, states' rights has been one of my biggest advocacy points. So you do favor a convention then? Absolutely. I think the more control that the people have had over politics, the better it is. Awesome. Uh, Here's a question for you. Out of everyone in the current Congress, who do you think is the biggest poster child for term limits? (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Uh, let's go with just the, the cliches here. We can go with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, we can go with uh, anybody that has been there for more than 30 years. Uh, you know, Joe Biden himself has been there. You know. Thank you, Lee Evanier. We appreciate your time. Thank you. We're at the Republican Liberty Caucus National Convention. I'm with Sue Moore, the Colorado State Chair of the Republican Liberty Caucus. She is a citizen activist who is here to learn about all kinds of issues, participate in the process. Sue, thank you so much for being here. You bet. Thanks for having me. Now, I have to ask you, Colorado has one of the most expansive uh, term limits laws in the country. I think when you guys passed this in 1990, it hit every single office from state house, state senate, all the way down to city councils, county commissions, school boards, dog catchers. You know, it's all there under the sun. How do you think term limits have worked in the state of Colorado in terms of getting more citizens involved in the process? Do you think it's a good thing that you have citizen legislators there instead of career politicians? Right. No, I think it, it's worked really well in Colorado. It gets new people involved all the time. And I think it actually keeps our state legislature and our other elected officials fresh. We bring in new blood every couple of years, depending on the office. And, um, you know, we couldn't be happier. I, th- I think it works. You know, obviously, if you're a state house representative, you can also run for state senate. But, you know, keeping term limits in place kind of keeps new, new blood coming in all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, Obviously, the ways that you can get term limits for Congress are with either a two-thirds vote of Congress, which is a little like getting the chickens to vote for Colonel Sanders, or with a convention called by the state legislatures, where you need two-thirds of states to say, we want term limits on Congress. Um, Are you familiar with that? And um, do you have an opinion on that idea of the states going around Washington to try to get this done, term limits for Congress? Right. Yeah, actually, I was part of the Convention of States uh, committee for a short time, and um, we're totally on on board with term limits and uh, balanced budget amendment. So we, uh, as a actually as an organization, we agree with those things. Actually, in Colorado, we have not been able to pass that. Um, There's still a lot of resistance, some of which I understand other other organizations I don't understand why are that are pushing against that. But in terms of the Republican Liberty Caucus of Colorado, we're totally on board with that. Awesome. Um, Final question for you. Congress has a 10 percent approval rating. Do you think that's too high? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. among our members in the Republican Liberty Caucus, I think that would be a high number. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. I want to let you know about some upcoming events where you can connect with us to discuss term limits. 
We will have a table at Turning Point USA's Young Women's Leadership Summit in Dallas, Texas, June 6th through 9th. We'll also be at Young Americans for Liberty's conference in Memphis, July 28th and 29th. We'll be at Freedom Fest, July 17th through 20th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Netroots, July 11th through 13th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Western Conservative Summit, July 11th through 13th in Denver, Colorado. There are many events happening around the country. If you know of an event where U.S. terminals should be, please contact us with the details. There are three special elections currently scheduled to fill open U.S. congressional seats and one to finish a Senate term for Arizona Senate seat. We ask congressional candidates to sign the U.S. Term Limits Pledge. I pledge that as a member of Congress, I will co-sponsor and vote for the U.S. Term Limits Amendment of three House terms and two Senate terms and no longer limit. There are 65 pledge signers in Congress now. In the May 21st, Pennsylvania 12th, general election, we have one pledge signer, Fred Keller. In the July 9th, North Carolina 3rd Congressional District, Republican runoff, we have a signer versus signer situation with Joan Perry against Greg Murphy. In the September 10th, North Carolina 9th special election, Republican Dan Bishop has signed our pledge. In the Arizona Senate election, both Martha McSally and Craig Britton have signed the pledge. If you have access to a candidate, please ask them to sign the U.S. Term Limits Pledge. The pledge is available at termlimits.org. Okay, I'm here with David Kahn. He is the chairman of the Republican Liberty Caucus of Arizona, and we're uh, sitting outside the Republican Liberty Caucus National Convention, which the business meeting just uh, ended up. Uh, How'd it go, David? I think it went really well. This is an organization that has a long history with the issue of, uh, of term limits, and uh, so we're here, and I, I gave a presentation today, and you were there. And um, you, being from Arizona, I don't know how aware you are of this, but right now in Arizona we have a termless bill in the legislature which has passed one of the chambers and not the other as the session is, is drawing to a close. So we are crossing our fingers and biting our nails on this. Now, you personally have any uh, particular views on the issue of uh, term limits? Personally, I believe term limits are one of two critical issues for making our election process more fair and more competitive. The other issue would be gerrymandering, right. which is a, a more complicated issue to solve. Right, it is. Um, right, who are you going to put in charge of making that decision, right? Yes, and not only that, but how do you come up with an objective, fair way to do that? One of the advantages of tournaments is that it's a simple, very simple solution that's hard to corrupt, doesn't address all the issues, but addresses some very well, and in a way that's very difficult to corrupt, whereas gerrymandering, every, every attempt that we've seen to try to fix that tend to be corrupted by the incumbents that are in office who are writing the legislation to fix it. How has your RLC chapter grown um, over the years since you've been involved with it? So the Arizona Charter launched in January of last year, and at that point there were just the minimum 10 people to be a charter, and we have almost tripled in size since then, and we have garnered the support of half a dozen people in the state house who don't just want to work with us on issues but want to see us grow as an organization and be a real voice within the party. Oh, excellent. Okay, great. And what kind of uh, issues are you most focused on, or is it, are you more working on uh, campaigns to elect people or more on issue campaigns or, or what so far? Well, we're trying to be sensitive that there's a difference between election season and legislative season. 
Um, during the campaigns, we look at candidates that resonate with our values. And in Arizona, we do a legislative scorecard after each session. So we know who the pro-liberty candidates are, and we're working actively with them on their campaigns. But during the legislative session, our top issues are education, free trade, and criminal justice reform. Criminal justice reform, interesting. Is um, Arizona's making strides in that? We haven't had a lot of substantive change on this issue, but it's an issue that's been very strongly debated in our state house. And we believe it's an issue that our voice can help make a difference on. Also, as we look as a charter to grow, we think it's an issue that attracts people to an organization because very few organizations are considering this issue, which affects many people's lives. Right. Has the Goldwater Institute done work on this? Um, they have, yes. Okay. That's probably helpful in, in, in this. Yeah, we try to work with like-minded organizations in Arizona as much as possible. Okay. On the U.S. Turn Limits website, that's turnlimits.com, there is a um, current actions tab that you can go to and pull down, and one of them is Arizona. And so I would um, urge you and your membership to check that out. Because if you pull down that tab, current actions, then um, you'll have a quick way to send a message to all of the legislators in the Arizona legislature, uh, urging them to vote for the Turn Limits Convention bill that we're working on right now. And um, if that's something that we could get you to push out to your membership, we'd greatly appreciate it. I I would be absolutely happy to bring that up with my board and look at pushing something out to our membership Um, We've been very active on different bills that we consider important throughout the term, and we're definitely, as the convention wraps up, going to be looking at what do we need to focus on in these final days as the session approaches its end. The lunatic is in my head. (laughs) Does power cause brain damage? Several times on our No Uncertain Terms podcast, Nick has referred to a study that suggests that subjects under the influence of power act as if they have suffered a traumatic brain injury. Naturally, this sounds immediately plausible to anyone who is as attentive to the U.S. Congress as we are. But seriously, brain damage? Maybe so. If you were to ask Dasher Keltner, a psychology professor at the University of California, Berkeley, he'd say yes. Keltner reports that powerful people tend to become more impulsive, less risk-aware, and, most importantly, less adept at seeing things from others' point of view. His work was recently summarized in an article in the July-August 2017 issue of The Atlantic, entitled, Power Causes Brain Damage. See? It isn't just us. Sukhvinder Obhi, a neuroscientist at McMaster University in Ontario, more or less corroborates Keltner's findings from a different angle. While Keltner was examining the behaviors of the powerful, Obhi actually examined their brains. Using a transcranial magnetic stimulation machine, he finds that power appears to corrupt a specific neural process called mirroring, which is thought to be the cornerstone of empathy. In his Atlantic article, Usim describes some interesting evidence of this phenomenon. A 2006 study asked participants to draw the letter E on their forehead for others to view, a task that requires seeing yourself from an observer's vantage point. Those feeling powerful were three times more likely 
to draw the E the right way to themselves and backwards to everyone else, which calls to mind George W. Bush, who memorably held up the American flag backwards at the 2008 Olympics. Powerful people stop simulating the experience of others, Keltner says, which leads to what he calls an empathy deficit. We like Andrew Heaton's take on the Research on Reason blog, Power-induced brain damage raises troubling questions about all the suits and technocrats who slink into Washington. What if you need a fully functional orbitofrontal lobe to make decisions that affect millions? It certainly sounds like an important brain glob. Maybe the heady tonic of power makes leaders less wary of unforeseen consequences or overly confident of their capacity to solve everything. The anecdote to all this spiraling brain damage might be to put America on a power diet. Term limits, anyone? Nick Tumbleides with U.S. Term Limits here on the No Uncertain Terms podcast. I am with Vernon Robinson at the Republican Liberty Caucus National Convention. Vernon, why don't you just tell us um, who you are exactly and a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Vernon Robinson. I'm the treasurer of Black Americans to re-elect the president. And I was Air Force Academy class of 77 and a nuclear launch officer in the Minuteman program. Became a college professor ran a private foundation to give scholarships to low-income kids to go to private schools and escape the Titanic, served eight years as a city council member, and uh, ran for Congress, learned how to raise money, and uh, ran the National Draft Ben Carson for President Committee that raised $18 million, had 39,000 volunteers, and and, uh, did 900 events to convince Dr. Carson and his wife to run for president. So we're here talking about a um, diverse array of issues, but more specifically, U.S. term limits focuses on term limits, restoring the idea of a citizen legislature. What do you think of that? Uh, certainly the founders had no intention of the professional politician uh, that, um, like Cincinnati, uh, they envisioned individuals who would uh, serve for a limited time and then return to private life as opposed to spend 36 years at the trough of the government. I noticed that you uh, served, you said you served eight years on the city council. Do you think eight is a good amount of time for elected officials, so you're kind of balancing uh, experience with fresh ideas? If you could set a term limit for Congress, what would it be? Whatever it is, it has to balance the, the uh, virtues of a citizen legislature off against the permanent class in Washington who may or may not take advantage of, you know, like a three-term limit um, where the, the congressman's average 10 years, three years, and the staffs and the bureaucrats and the lobbyists uh, know a lot more about how Washington works than the uh, baby legislators do. So I don't know what that magic number is, but uh, certainly we'd be better served with a citizen legislature as opposed to a professional one. When you look at Washington, D.C., who do you think is the poster child for term limits in your mind? Um, the poster child for term limits? Hmm. Uh, I would say Joe Biden, since he's, he, he, he was in Washington 36 years and says Trump's the problem. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, Nancy has to be way up there in the backseat waters. Uh, 
I think we might be in Maxine Waters District right now. We're here in uh, Redondo Beach, California. Um, we are really close. I, I think that they didn't get sucked into the the vortex, the, the vortex of the uh, the dark hole, which is the the 43rd District of California. But let me uh, throw one more question at you. Uh, a lot of people have said Congress is never going to vote for term limits on themselves. That's like getting the demons to vote to shut down hell. Um, so. We're calling for states to bypass Washington, D.C. and write term limits with a uh, amendment convention. What do you think of that idea? Well, I'm not familiar with the technical features of an amendment convention. If you can limit it, the convention's agenda to the issue at hand, uh, certainly that would be a good thing. Um, the uh, founding fathers tasked the uh, Constitutional Convention to amend the the, the Articles of Confederation, and they came up with a better idea. So, uh, All right, smart guy. Um, well, I mean, they, you know... You hey, what, here's, here's something to notice, though. There were 55 delegates to the Constitutional Convention in 1787. Did you know that 48 of the 55 delegates actually had a commission from their state to write a new constitution? I did not. Congress has a 10% approval rating. Do you think that's too high? Um... I think that uh, at least 10% of the public is very charitable. <laughs> uh, we'll end on that note. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. We're about 40 episodes in with this program, and we enjoy putting it together each week. Maybe too much. But of course, we're also dead serious about winning this battle to reform Congress. As a listener, do you think we're striking the right balance? What do you like or don't like about this podcast? Do you have any ideas or advice? Do you listen on a phone or a computer? We want to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at termlimits.com. We're going to collect our responses over the next month and review our podcast in light of them. And then we're also going to pick out a respondee or three and give out some prizes of some kind for doing so. We haven't decided what it'll be yet. Tune in next week and find out. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. This podcast is made possible by the support of you, the American people, and your voluntary financial contributions, which can be made through our website at termlimits.com. Thank you.